Witchy Ways is a podcast about the journey to unlock the forgotten ways of being in a world that's long taught us to be separated from our bodies, our souls, the world around us, and the other than humans that we share it with. Welcome. I'm your host, Jacqueline Freeman. Both of the very intimate conversations that I had with women, um, while I was staying in Queens uh, at the end of last week revolved around the women um, well it didn't revolve around but there was a part of the conversation a very intense part of the conversation um, where they expressed really deep fears and concerns that if they opened up these spiritual doorways and began communion with their ancestors and got in touch with that part of themselves, um, that they would go crazy. And this is not just people thinking they're crazy. This is them being afraid of going crazy. Um, And I wanted to spend some time on that because I'm sure they're not alone. Um, I have noticed that um you know in the ancestral classes people often ask how do I know I'm not just making this up I think that's something that happens in liminal work in general if you're doing um liminal work if you're doing shamanic visioning um if you have a really intensive meditation practice um And I don't know if men struggle with this the way that women do, but I know women definitely struggle with, what if I'm just making all this up? Um, I really appreciated um, my sacred arts teacher, Brianna Saucy's um, consistent reassurance that our liminal experiences are just as real and important and shaping as our like material plane experiences are. And it was going into the ancestral classes that I began to fully appreciate um, the power of her consistent teaching on that and and um, consistent assurance. Um, it is something that, that Daniel talks about, like, as part of the decolonization process, um, is embracing imagination. Um, you know, the, the rational enlightenment in Europe in the 1500s was, um, was it 1600s? Anyway, um, the rational enlightenment was a materialization of society and putting forth this value that only things that can be measured 
are real and have value and are important. It was a commodification process, so we need to be real about that. It's hard to sell and buy things that you can't see. And as we moved into this place where um, value on a commodities market is the only real is the only value that we truly recognize and honor, I think part of the reversal of that and the decommodification of our culture and ourselves is to value those things that cannot be measured within ourselves and in our own lives. And I really think that this is at the root of this struggle with so many women. It has definitely been one of the ways that women have been silenced is to tell them that they're crazy, to tell them that they made it up. Um, they called it hysteria for a really long time. And the etymological root of the word hysteria, hyster comes from the womb. So they believed that the womb was overfull with liquid or that the womb was unanchored and was wandering around and thus interfered with um, a woman's intellectual capacities. Um, and I think knowing that and understanding that can really help us claim that again, right? When we see the playbook, when we can trace back the ways that they took these things away from us, it makes it a little easier to hang on to it when those self-doubts and wins come through, um, or when someone outside of us is echoing or um, amplifying our self-doubt. But these conversations that I had weren't just about what if people think I'm, what if I'm making this up or what if people think I'm crazy? Their fear was that they would go crazy. One of the women has a history of uh, insanity in her family. There's been several women that have well, at least one woman in recent history that was put um, in an institution. And, um, and women before her met the same fate. Now, I'll look and see if I can find, I've got limited um, internet access where I am right now, um, but I can look and see if I can find a list of things that women would be institutionalized for, because I think it's really enlightening for you to see that um, this pathologi pathologization of femininity, basically, of anything that was not logical, rational, male, of the head, of the penis, basically, uh, anything of the heart was deemed at best invaluable and at worst crazy or witchy or devilish, right? So, so we need to, we need to keep, we need to not forget that. 
in our process to decolonize ourselves, to extricate the patriarchy from within ourselves. But the impulse that came up in me in the conversations or the response that came up in me in the conversations was that, you know, post the burning times, after the burning times, I mean, there were, there was this thousand year long propaganda campaign that led into the burning times. It was a propaganda campaign that demonized connection with nature, that demonized intuition, that demonized reverence and communion with the ancestors, that demonized basically an acknowledgement of anything outside of the material world and the church's view on things. If you were going to deal with the immaterial and the mystery, you had to do it in this very exactly subscribed way, prescribed way that the church had set out. And really only the priests were supposed to deal with those things. So if you're dealing with it on your own, if you are exercising sovereignty and autonomy in your own spiritual life, that in and of itself was enough to call negative attention on you. That in and of itself was enough to have you demonized um, if you wouldn't submit to an exorcism. So there was this thousand year long propaganda campaign to cut us off from our intuition to cut us off from our bodies because if we're not in touch with our bodies then we can't be in touch with our intuition and the Roman Catholic Church taught that the body was corrupt and that this planet was corrupt so it worked very hard although those are not the teachings that I see and understand of Jesus but that is the teaching of the church So they cut us off from our bodies. They cut us off from our intuition. They cut us off from our, from nature. And those that would not submit were killed. Lead into the burning times, right? After the burning times. I mean, it's just one episode after another. There's the crusades. There's, um, the inquisitions. It was a very violent um, conversion by the sword. So after that time, being in touch with the intuition, being in touch with the spirit world, understanding that we are surrounded by people that are not human, that the trees have personhood, that the bushes have personhood, that the ground has personhood, that the river has personhood, that the ancestors are alive in us. Once we moved from a society governed by the church to a society governed by Western science. Um, and I specify that because uh, 
Western scientists often act as though they are the first system of inquiry to appear on the planet. And that is not true. There are many, many, many systems of inquiry um, that have persevered for millennia. Um, but once we moved from the church to medicine and psychology, this misogynistic view persisted science adopted the view that the church did well or the church adopted the view that science did right? <laughs> there was the rational enlightenment and then um, this sort of absurd materialism that we see in the modern Christian church is because the church wanted to model itself right after um, after science because the rational enlightenment told us that uh, if it can't be measured it is not real and so instead of seeing its purview as dealing with the mystery the church began scrambling to prove that things in the bible were factually true um, so then we lost so much value in the allegories of these stories and the rich metaphor of the stories and if they couldn't be proven factually true, then there was no value there. Um, and the pursuit to prove things factually true has led to a lot of um, silliness and scariness. Um, and shifted religion away from dealing with mystery to looking for certainty and that's where we get this really really scary fundam fundamentalism from I'm right you're wrong and God's on my side so if you are standing in the way of what I want and think is right then it's okay for me to trample you because I'm doing God's work, right? That's, that all comes from that space. So going crazy if you are in touch with your spiritual powers, if you are in touch with your intuition, if you can hear the trees and the river and the people around you do not, then it becomes really easy to see how you can go from looking crazy to being gaslighted so intensely that you start splitting up. If there's not a community of support, there aren't that many steps from looking crazy to going crazy.
right? Things start fracturing. But we're in a different time now. And even if we don't have people immediately around us that recognize these things that are starting to re-emerge into our consciousness, then we have access to tools like the internet, online classes, uh, platforms like Meetup that help us connect with people that have shared interests. There are ways to find community. And, you know, if you're learning about ancestral practice, there's going to be a community orbiting around your teacher. There are people that have taken their classes, gone to their workshops, you know, get emails, get phone numbers, find the people that are in your area and keep those embers burning with each other. We're in a time now where these ideas and values are re-emerging. The ancestors are rising again. And I think no matter where you are in society, that is evident, right? So whether this is a um, simple, you know, if people are just following genealogical searches, um, the popularity of programs like Finding Your Roots, um, the popularity of like dramas and series that are based in ancient history, not just period dramas, but um, whatever level you're looking, this is emerging now, that's quite clear. And people are working with it in the way that is comfortable for them So when it comes to opening these doors back up, you're not alone. And we're not in isolation as we once were. When so many of the teachers that, that we now have religions after, right? These masters like, uh, like Buddha, like Jesus, like Muhammad, like Lao Tsung, like, right? When these masters were teaching, they were the only people in their region saying what they were saying most of the time, right? And I have thought so often about how difficult that must be to be the only person saying these things. And and how, I mean, like the privilege that we have now of being able to connect with people around the world that are, so that we have support in these spaces, right? Um, I mean, I often think that when Jesus talked about I am the light and the way, um, that it wasn't this like egomaniacal, like I am it kind of way that it, that it gets interpreted now but he was the only person talking about what he was talking about. 
And like we're seeing in, you know, we're in political season right now in America. So, um, and candidates say my way, this, my way, that, um, because they're looking to distinguish themselves from the other ideas that are in the marketplace. Um, and depending on how ego driven they are, you know, if the, the ego levels are low, then if someone else were to come along pushing the same ideas and policies that had a better chance of being able to implement those things, then candidates can get behind the other person, right? And help them because it's about the vision. It's not about who they are. Um, and we're in this space now that we're not, we don't have to be alone. We're not alone, but we don't have to feel alone. Even when helping birth big revolutionary ideas and visions and values. We have access to other people that are thinking the same things, seeing the same visions, working towards the same goals in a myriad of ways. So there is a community of support. To uphold our vision. To help us balance where we are. To hold us accountable. So if you've had fears about people thinking you're crazy or splitting up if you were to open these doors um, fear not learn how to ground this is really really important learn boundaries this is absolutely crucial Learn spiritual hygiene. Learn how to clean yourself up daily with the same discipline and consistency that you brush your teeth. You need to clean your field. You gotta be grounded. You gotta have boundaries. Um, when I started opening these spiritual doors um, during that depression at the end of Holland. Uh, I was just so desperate to get out of the depression. I was flinging all these spiritual doors open. I didn't know how to ground. I was seeing visions of trees spinning and um, I didn't know how to ground. I didn't have boundaries. I was walking around with this really toxic theology that told me that um, I was supposed to love everyone forgive everyone, treat everyone the same. Um, and that's just not safe. <laughs> there needs to be discernment. Um, you can love everyone, but they need to be 
they still need to have boundaries applied according to their level of health and safety. Um, and when it comes to those boundaries, I mean, it's like boundaries in a house, right? This idea that if you open the doors to let the ancestors in, to to work with the ideas of helping spirits and helping powers, whatever that looks like for you, whether that's guardian angels or owls, or bears, or fairies, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Opening the door to the things that are healthy and good, that help stabilize you and protect you and move you forward, doesn't mean you have to open the door to everything. Just like you open the door to your house, right? You look through to see who's there, and when you see that it's safe, then you open the door. If you're not sure it's safe, maybe you open an inner door, but you keep an outer door shut and have a conversation to determine whether or not they're safe, right? And then you don't open the door to let them in until they are safe. Or you, when you open the door, you don't even have to let them in, right? A lot of times we do that. We open the door and step forward so that the doorway is blocked so that we can have an interaction, but we haven't let them in the house yet. And then once you do determine to let someone in your house, so to speak, in your, in your field, in your energy, there's the conversation that happens in the entryway. And then the person is ushered back out again. There's people that are invited into the front room. There are people that are invited into the den. And then it would only be the closest of the close and family, maybe, that would see a bedroom or a bathroom, right? There, there are these, even within our own homes, there are these levels of, of boundaries, these levels of discernment that happen. We don't let everybody walk in the front door and go straight into our closet, right? <laughs> in, our, in our bedroom, that doesn't happen. We have these these stages. So it's like that. Um, maintain your agency, maintain your sovereignty, make sure you feel good and safe and right before you let someone in. Right? Maintain those boundaries of safety. Ask your helping spirits to maintain those boundaries of safety. You may get excited about someone or something and it comes a little closer and you're like, Whoa, wait a second. Right. So, um, and that's what happened to me when I was on the ancient burial ground. Um, the, the Quaker ancient burial ground in Pennsylvania was I had an ancestor coming towards me and I thought it was the one that I knew. And as she got closer, there was something in her eyes that scared me. So I was like, Oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, please stay behind this line so good to see you. And when I asked her to stay behind the boundary, she disappeared. Right. So, um, so it probably wasn't good for me to be hanging out, uh, because there wasn't a lot of interest in interacting with me once the boundary was set. 
And that is one of the things that I've seen in, you know, my history of uh, abuse and learning how perpetrators move is that perpetrators don't like boundaries. And once they see that you have them and that you will maintain them, often they will leave. I mean, boundaries are really fantastic jackass repellent. They don't like them. They want people that don't have boundaries. They want people that are going to let them in. They want people that are going to let them do what they want to. It's kind of like, you know, in popular lore, vampires only being able to come in if they're invited. If there's a sense of clear boundaries, they can't get at you. So... You know, learn how to ground, be like a tree, work with your boundaries. To keep things out. And then have a spiritual hygiene routine. Water is probably the most simple. And um, there's a lot of people that don't have access to clean water. So it's a huge blessing and a privilege as well that it is so incredibly accessible for, um, I think, most of the people that would be listening to this. Just daily bathing, if done with intention and purpose, is becomes a spiritual hygiene routine. So uh, you could, you know, have your, your regular washing and, um, and then you could use salt even if you want to be extra careful. If there's been stuff you've been in that you know you need to get rid of, you can either put a couple of tablespoons of salt in your bath water or you can use a salt scrub. And as you're cleaning, right, then have this intention that you're wiping away anything that will do harm or hinder healing. There is uh, another practice that I was taught um, by Charlene Cristiano, who um, is my like go-to energy worker. Uh, she calls it St. Michael's Net or Archangel Michael's Net. It's a golden net. And um, so you imagine this sort of hoop laced with golden threads. And you can determine how thick or thin you want that mesh to be. I usually call Archangel Michael and Archangel Raphael to help me pull it up. Archangel Raphael works a lot with healing. So... Um, you just kind of imagine uh, taking hold of that and swooping it about three feet underneath you and then beginning to pull it up. So this is almost like a body scanning kind of thing. Um, but as you pull it up, you can say or have the intention 
that anything that comes against the net will be transfigured into light. And those things that will not be transfigured are caught in the net. So you just sort of move that slowly up your body. And once you get it over your head, you kind of tie it off and then ground it, right? So you can either touch wood to ground it and send it to Mother Earth um, or kind of throw it down on the ground and imagine it sort of disappearing into a little hole that closes right back up. Um, so depending on how you set the intention for that, you can also use it to sort of repair holes in your energy body. Um, but it's a good like body scanning technique and spiritual hygiene. That's going to be like another notch up from intentional washing. Um, and so, you know, having a basic spiritual hygiene practice that you're doing daily, um, make sure that if anything did stick onto you or um, that kind of thing, that you can get that cleaned before it sort of wears away at the integrity of your energy body. So grounding, boundaries, spiritual hygiene, find your community, get that support and know that you're not making it up and that trying to silence women's intuition is a campaign that has been happening since the Romans started moving across Europe at least um, it was absolutely instrumental in setting up the colonialism that went around the world and the instituting of predatory capitalism that has led to the state that we're in, in a planet that is in crisis. <laughs> So it is absolutely imperative, my dear sisters, that you forge those relationships to love your body and open up your intuition and then believe what comes to you. Believe yourself. Don't internalize the gaslighting that this culture has been doing to us for so long. Get in touch with your truth. Know it. And speak it. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks for listening. If you're not already, subscribe to the podcast. That way you can get episodes as soon as they're released. If you'd like more information about my van build or travels to get my feet in soil to hear what she has to say, then go on over to www.witchyways.com. That's spelled with a Y instead of an I. 
and uh, gotta be weird and wild about it, you know? So may your heart, mind, eyes, ears, and life be open to the magic and connection that surrounds us all the time. Blessed be.